Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and I'm really excited to share this following conversation with you with my friend Cam Bartson. This episode would be great for you if you are someone who likes to wax poetic about the mysteries of the universe and about magic and enchantment and our connection to nature. We talked about opening our hearts and moving through fear. We basically just had a big Pisces party, to be honest. Cam is a 29 degree Pisces sun and I have my Venus Mercury conjunction at 29 degrees of Pisces. And I feel that, you know, sometimes I come across people, well, actually often I come across people who want to be having more conversations about magic and mysticism, and they might talk about certain things and people kind of doubt them or doubt the magic. And so I hope that listening to this episode may inspire you to know that there are other people out there who want to talk about these things. And I think that it's important for us on our spiritual paths to come out and talk about our mystical experiences. And of course, I think that we do things to ground ourselves in, you know, air quotes reality and, you know, what's the the consensus reality, what is agreed upon is real, but that's not all that there is. And I'm someone at this point, I feel very comfortable talking about my experience of reality. And that's part of why I'm starting this podcast is I want to signal boost magic and enchantment and invite us all into that realm. This conversation was pretty intimate and it was a, it was like a practice conversation. Initially, I asked Cam, like I ran into him in the kitchen and I was like, Hey, do you want to record an episode with me as practice? And he was like, yeah, sure. And like literally dropped what he was doing. And then a few minutes later, we were in what we call in our house, the Hobbit hole, which is this like big cozy closet that we can watch movies in and stuff. And we had this really awesome conversation and partway into it, we both realized that it was a, it was an episode that it wasn't just something we were going to toss out. So I really like this episode because it does capture this really spontaneous moment in time and a spontaneous conversation where there was really no agenda and it was just us being Piscean. So I hope that you enjoy it. And I also want to remind or let anyone here know that I write weekly astrology forecasts at monarchastrology.com. So whatever time that you're listening to this episode, if you want to know about what's happening in the collective or what the planetary energies are at any given time, and maybe some ideas for what the struggles might be and what the opportunities are, I've got you covered. Check it out at monarchastrology.com. All right, let's get into the show. Okay. Just to start testing, if you say something, I'm going to see if it creates. Okay. So last night I decided to sleep with all of my crystals in my bed, like all of them, because I was recovering from my MDMA and it was really cool. I got to follow like my body intuition with like kind of just grabbing some and like finding out where they wanted to go just like throughout the night. Oh, you told me about that. And you actually told me to sleep with crystals. Yeah. And then I heard the same thing from Chakrabs, which Mm. is this company that makes like crystal, like sex toys basically. And they're Uh. saying to like, not just use them to play with, but also to like keep them in your bed and like do all sorts of things with them. But it was basically within a few day, 
like a window that uh-huh. multiple people were like, you should sleep with crystals in your bed. Mm. So I started doing that too. And I, I think it did influence my dreams. I've been having really influential dreams Very for like cool. the last few weeks. Will you make a note to send me the link to the sex toys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's chakrabs.com. Okay. Chalk. Like rubs. chakra, yeah, but chakra. Okay. Yeah, that's probably how you pronounce it. I yeah. haven't heard anyone say it out loud. Yeah, who's in the know about it? So I just see it written out on like yeah. Instagram. Yeah, Morgan and I started with a couple, and I think that's when I was like, "You got to do this," because they were just like they like float around the bed at night, like they just fall to me and then to her. But last night I put all of mine in my bed, and like I slept in the center of the bed rather than like one side or the other, and it's just like. It's really nice. That is nice. Yeah. So something that I really want to ask you about is lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm. Like I know from being your friend that you have lucid dreams basically every single night, but Mm -hmm. I find it really fascinating that you weren't like taught this and you actually avoid learning about lucid dreaming, right? Because you just are having your own personal experience with it. Yeah. So that is, it's always been weird to me because whenever, especially in kind of the community that we live in, people are really intrigued by it, want to learn how to do it. And I, I know how to teach it, but it's strange because I wasn't taught it. And I have my own theories on on why I'm a lucid dreamer, but um, I know that it was passed down through my mom's line in the family. Like my grandma was a lucid dreamer and my mom a little bit, but I seem to have like this really expansive capacity for it. And my theory is that I have a fat ass pineal gland. Um, I, have, I have two uvulas, which is like in the same vertical line as my pineal gland. And on LSD one time, I could see like the anatomy of my face more clearly and like how my two uvulas, how that like ripples into the whole anatomy of my face and maybe my brain structure. I was on LSD, but I am personally... That's a great theory. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally... Like, when I... It makes complete sense to me. When I share it, I feel kind of vulnerable because it's pretty wild. But, like, to me, I know it. I know that I'm an integral being and my anatomy affects my experience and that my two uvulas isn't just, like, this anomaly. Like, it's actually a part of my neuroscience and everything else. Wow. Yeah. When you're saying that, like, I know you're a Leo rising and instantly just I see the, like, cat energy in your face you're also a 29 degree Pisces sun, which I feel like really adds to you having this wild like dream experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's nutty. Um, one thing I feel called to talk about right now, it's not completely related to dreams, but I also have a lot of closed eyed visuals really easily, like even on cannabis. And the other day when I was rolling, um, I had, I don't think I've told you about this yet, but I, had some incredible uh, closed-eyed hallucinations. Maybe I told you a little bit. But yeah, you told me you had them, but not like what they were. Okay, good. Uh, so I, yeah, once I started indulging in a lot of THC on the MDMA experience, which like felt really good and I could feel the symbiosis between the substances. And I was like really at, just at so much peace that I could like indulge in the properties of the substances. And um I started to have mild open-eyed hallucinations, like just sort of rainbow films on surfaces. But then when I would close my eyes, I saw all sorts of amazing patterns, like lots of eyes and geometry and colors. And I did something with crystals for the first time. I would put different crystals to my forehead. Although some of them I could tell like wanted to go to my heart or somewhere else, but a lot of them I would put on my forehead. And as soon as I touched them to my forehead, 
I would see things that were unique to that crystal. So like one, the organite I put to my forehead and I saw actually, sorry, it wasn't the organite. It was another one, but I put this white stone to my forehead. And immediately when I did that, I actually saw this like dwarf with this like metal headgear and this like inspector eyeglass, uh, like this sort of sophisticated dwarf looking at a stone in this like kind of spiral prism. So but it was definitely a friendly dwarf. Like it wasn't scary or anything. It was just like really cool. So it was like, I was looking at the stone and he was looking at the stone. And then I saw, I started to see like an ecosystem. Um, like I saw with one stone, like a mountainous rugged terrain. And then I put another stone up and I saw like, uh, a water, a watery environment. Like Do you remember which stone was which vision? I don't, but I'm excited to explore this now. Like I just, I've, I'm That's like, like a direct transmission. You know, yeah. I've heard about that with people with plants where yeah. like people will pick a plant when they're foresting or foraging, I think is the word. And they'll feel like a pain suddenly in mm. like their liver. I don't know if, I don't know how to feel my liver, but, yeah. um, you know, somewhere they feel a pain yeah. and then they realize that that medicine is an antidote for that. Mm. So maybe you're having that experience with crystals. Yeah, it's kind of, and it ripples out into my spiritual journey of starting to understand the subtler aspects of like my lived experience are like matter, like what pops up in my mind or what pops up in my visions, but starting to really give gravity to those and notice that they actually correlate to things. And particularly it's just groovy to use, to utilize substances to enhance that and then go back into the mundane and know that those things are there. Yeah. And like yeah. you can't unsee your yeah. expanded experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It's all there. And you're recently like opening back up to psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Like what's your process with feeling intrigued by them again? So I went really, really deep with LSD and DMT, like 20 plus experiences with both with pretty decent sized doses and just like saw a ton until I kind of like hit this limit. And, and I've been integrating for five years and I thought that I was maybe in the space to go into more of a, just a spiritual path. Like a lot of people have, have done academia, psychedelics, spirituality. That's been the path for like Ram Das and a lot of other thinkers. So I thought that I was kind of in line with that and I still may be, but, but I'm now realizing like the wildness and, and, um, and my animal instincts and the fact that I'm a species on earth and there are other species that have magical properties and I can use them as guides. And so rather than like binging and exploration, I want to learn how to utilize plant psychoactive plant substances on earth that, you know, that our species grew up with to in coordination with where I'm at with my journey. So rather than just like, Oh my gosh, this is here. I need to do a bunch of it to like blow my brain up and figure out what the heck I am and what the world is. I want to get into more of a harmonious relationship with plants um, and fungi and figure out how to utilize them based on where I'm at. That's super cool. Yeah. When I first came to the Bay area, I heard everyone talking about ayahuasca and I mm-hmm. thought that maybe ayahuasca was calling me. And yeah. I was like, no, there's just like a high capita, <laughs> like mm-hmm. high person per capita rate of people who have done ayahuasca here. And I don't feel called by it yet, but yeah. mushrooms on the other hand, I feel really positive and like, I just groove with them really well. And they're always really healing for me also. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think they can definitely call you. And I, that's people sometimes ask me because I was a psychonaut for a little bit, like, oh, should I do this or should I do that? And it's really always a personal decision. Like I would never make a blanket statement um, for any sort of person or population. I think in general, I, I'm an advocate of psychedelics, but but it's person for person. I think if you open up to it and like do some research, it'll either call you or not call you. And like, I have certain substances that like I'm not called to and like mushrooms seem to be like ringing little bells in my head and like calling me. So I'm excited to embrace that, take it in. Very cool. Yeah. There, that was making me, I had one other thing, but I'm forgetting it. Well, so for example, with DMT, it's a very illicit substance. that's very hard to find. And it will find you. That's what's cool. It's like, it will find you if you open up to it. So that's, that's kind of like the magic behind these super illicit substances is like, if you actually are like, I feel it, it'll come like someone in your life will be like, I've got this. And, and then it'll just like happen. You know, I had an experience in undergrad where I was buying some mushrooms and I was also going to like be taking a trip to um, like California. I lived in Washington at the time. Mm-hmm. And but, like in this synchronized moment after I bought the mushrooms and like completed that exchange, a text lit up on my phone from someone and we hadn't talked for like a couple of days. And they chose that moment to send me the phrase, have a good trip, exclamation mm. point. And I was just like, okay, so clearly these mushrooms are what I'm meant to do because (laughs) it was just like this instant validation. And yeah, that made me feel really. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I like to play with the idea of, and sometimes I take it more seriously than other times, but of substances like having some sort of embodied intelligence or persona and like an actual lived subjective experience in some other sort of dimension or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. And so like they could be, you know, have some sort of interaction through some sort of veil to us to, they could actually have some sort of ways to push here or touch this, um, in like a subtle way to get to us. Totally. I was actually just thinking today, I was like practicing recording and figuring out my audio setup. And I was like, recording something where I was pretty sure I wasn't ever going to share it with an audience, but Mm -hmm. I was like, actually I am sharing it with a whole audience of interdimensional beings and spirit guides. And I'm going to allow that to energize me right now. And I totally felt their presence. I was like, why not? Like there's so many other beings and dimensions. And I do think that they become more real in our experience, the more that we dialogue with them. And so if you do want to like, have a spirit guide experience or feel if you're going to be called to mushrooms or something like there is a way I think to like send a message and see if they're going to ping you back. Absolutely. I mean, I think about it one way that that's so real to me is my fascination with like insects and animals. Like they are of a lower intelligence in many ways and of a lower understanding. Like I can see my dog be afraid of something that doesn't matter. Like when the AC turns off in the door, pressure changes and she freaks out about that. Like I know something that she doesn't know, but she's still afraid of something that doesn't matter. And my point is, is like, if that relationship is true, where higher beings are completely fascinated by lower beings through loving and care of just like, Oh, you don't have to be afraid of that. Or I want to teach you this, you know, that is a truth that is fractal and extends upward too. 
right? To like, so if you do believe in higher beings, then they would have an interest in, in us the same way that we have an interest. Yeah, and they're like, so, oh, how sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's so silly. Stop worrying about that. Or like, oh, you need this? I think I can get it for you. But they also probably have a ton of their own stuff going on. But it's like definitely, I think, a part of, yeah. Yeah, there's this book by <clears throat> Rupert Sheldrick about angels. And he's saying that angels love to connect us with things and there's so many higher beings i've read this in a few like mystical books as well where all we have to do is ask and there's so many beings that like want to help us basically there's even the way that they describe it is like they're waiting for help like they don't actually intervene and i think that some of the beings who maybe do intervene without being asked are not the kind of beings that we really want to be consulting Mm. or getting help from Mm. you know there's something about the angelic realm, about how they're not invasive, but because mm. they're not invasive, we don't know they exist unless we reach out to them or we wow. happen to know someone who's, you know, I like people have been my gateway, like angel communicators, you know, like when I've met people that believe in things that I didn't even think about or perceive, I can really <clears throat> see it through their eyes. And yeah, but I don't, I didn't get communicated through from angels directly as far as I know. But sometimes I think that our intuition is not just our own voice, but it mm. is another spirit that's just speaking through our own thoughts. Yeah. I have this one experience that makes me believe that every, I, I have this experience like on a daily basis where there'll just be a, an arbitrary, it's seemingly arbitrary song stuck in my head. And I've learned to honor it and be like, why are these lyrics in my head? And used to, I just like, da, 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 like oh, seeing a little bit with those lyrics and then kind of forget about it. But like, I've started to realize that they totally coordinate with what's going on with me. And often it's in a way that like the lyrics of the song actually push me into some sort of new understanding. Um, and it's really wild because it's like, it's yeah, it's really wild. Do you have any recent examples that you can think of? Um, so an example that I can think of that's not particularly recent, uh, but is pretty crystal clear was out at nature and Eros, this for the audience, um, this camp camping experience with CIS, uh, that was getting us in tune with our relationship between the psyche and our natural environment that would come through our senses and how we can have psychological processing that then gets mirrored in our environment. Um, I was really tapping into that and I was having this experience of being in my tent at night in this storm and I was really hungry. I eat a lot and, um, and I typically like have a snack before bed, but I wasn't really on my normal eating regimens because I was out here and, and I really wanted to eat this, this peach and this almond butter that I knew I had in my tent, but I had no utensils for it. And, and I was, um, I guess I was debating like, oh, then my hands are going to get messy and like all these stupid, like human factors that we've been conditioned, you know, like we're animals. We should just be able to, you know, stuff stuff in our mouth. But, um, (laughs) but all of a sudden this song came on in my head. I don't remember quite chronologically if it was before or after, but it was this song, uh, like it was a country song. It goes, kiss me in the dark. I don't know the rest of it. (laughs) I wish I could sing it better, but it's kiss me in the dark. Um, and it was completely dark in my tent. And then I just, it was, it was like a kiss by putting this peach, this juicy peach and this almond butter in my mouth that mixed perfectly. Like the peach juice 
or like watered down the almond butter just enough to be able to eat it all. And it just felt like I was making out with like nature in the dark. And, and it, I think it, at one point it just hit me. I was like, Oh, I'm like, I'm like kissing. I don't know. Otherness in the dark. Like, and so it's just like, so there's an, in, there's an intelligence to it. It's not random. That's amazing. Yeah. That's such a, that's like an eco-sexual story. Yeah. Have you heard about eco-sexuality? <laughs> you told me about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's like straight up eco-sexual. Yeah. I had an experience with a pair that was really mm. eco-sexy where like I was doing a ritual with a group of people over a weekend, similar to nature and Eros, where you create this, um, like group field. Uh-huh. And I had this kind of like romantic, like almost something with someone else where there was intrigue, but it didn't really go anywhere. But towards the, like, we had like a soulful experience, but towards the end of the um, weekend, someone was handing out pears and I grabbed a pear and I had like bitten out of it. Just like, I never do that. You know, normally I slice it, but it was such a sexy weekend. I was like, I'm just going to eat this pear. And it wasn't dripping or anything, but I'm just like holding it in my hand. And like I said, goodbye to this person. And he apologized for something that had transpired between us. And I was like, it's, it's seriously okay. And I really meant it just like Mm -hmm. deep from within me, it welled up. Like it's okay. Like nothing's wrong. And he started to tear up. And the second that he started to tear up, peach juice started to like, or not peach, pear. It started to drip down my wrist and like Mm. into my sleeve. And it was just Mm. synchronized at the exact timing. And I started to visually hallucinate a little bit. Like I suddenly felt like I was on psychedelics and it was one of the most beautiful things. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. And just also for like, you know, people who are listening to this, like, the way that you looked when you were describing that, like the way you're moving your hands and just like there's a light bulb behind you. So it's creating this like subtle golden glow around you. And like the, you have such a mane of hair, too. <laughs> it's just like a very like uh, like the story was coming through you, like in a visual mm. way. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, I leaned into that kiss. I, did. <laughs> I, I stopped. I just totally leaned into that kiss in the dark. It's like, why not? Yeah. I mean, these are. Yeah. But it is nice. Like, yeah, you had a soundtrack at that moment to help you get deeper into the moment. Yeah. And it's cool when you add like humanity into that and like the arts, like, whoa, how cool is it that humans have created enough songs to where like I can be worked with through all these symbols, you know, and all these different lyrics. So, yeah, it's humanity and it's the earth and and some sort of higher intelligence that can I don't know. There's, I feel like sometimes it can be a smack in the butt, like, whoa, gosh, that's a little scary. And then other times it can just be like supportive, but it's, it seems to, it seems to be on my side. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there's been this like meme going around about like, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's like a kid with a boot on his face and it's mm-hmm. captioned before spiritual awakening. And then the next is after spiritual awakening and it zooms out and you can see that his hand is in the boot, putting the boot on his own head. Mm. And so I feel like you have this perspective about like, even if you're struggling or at a given moment, like you still believe that life is inherently good and that like the universe inherently has your back. And I see it like helping you just like have expansive experiences and trust life and like keep yeah. your heart open, you know, even with the fluctuations of yeah. you know, good and bad circumstances. Yeah. I feel like I'm learning more about the seasons of life through people like you who understand the diversity of 
experiences that time will give you, whether it's work or love or yourself or whatever. And so that's something I'm really trying to learn about. But I do deep in my heart have a trust. But, you know, like everyone else, I have fear, too. Um, But what grounds me is, yeah, just this world is beautiful. I think there's beauty all around us, the way the rain sounds and the patterns it makes on glass and people's eyes and the sky. Like it's it's everywhere if we open up to it. That's so true. Yeah. I want to ask you too, like what your vision of utopia is. I feel like you have a lot of expansive ideas about like how the world can improve. So like lay it on us. Oh gosh. Wow. Um, You're being sweet to me. (laughs) I have so many thoughts about that, that I don't express. Um, Yeah. I think it's all important. Like just to start this um, monologue Uh, I think it's all important for us to dream about a great future. I think we have to have a shared dream. That's, that's a concept by Thomas Berry, a shared dream of a, of a future. Like right now, like our goal as a species is is to increase GDP, um, gross domestic product. So to like pump out the most, um, product possible and like keep this treadmill of consumption production going. Like that's such a silly dream. It's such Mm. a silly dream. Like we could all, uh, we can have an economy based off of all of us offering our most unique gifts as as people. And I think that our work shouldn't be, you know, there, there are millions, hundreds of millions of people that go to jobs every day that aren't in sync with their deepest um, passions and unique abilities. And, and that to me is economic inefficiency and it's human inefficiency. Like if we all found ways to dial into our most unique gifts and we had education systems that helped us dial into what's unique about us and offered that, I think that that by itself, if we gave those freely, then we could all support each other. Like we would have enough food easy, especially with technology nowadays, like food, energy, all of it. Earth is paradise to me. Like earth is Eden. If you look at the cosmos, I just feel like we forget, like we think that we fell from Eden, but like, have you seen earth, the waterfalls, the butterflies, the rainbows, the human beings, the species, like we are in paradise right now and, and we're not taking good care of it. Um, and I think that that's going to be our big lesson. (laughs) Animals. Yeah. Um, I think that that's going to be our big lesson, just like cats and dogs. I feel like we have this, this tension between, um, I feel like there's, it, you know, with the patriarchy and Mother Earth, like right now, there's just so much domination and control and fear of the feminine and of what's providing for us. And I feel like we're in an adolescent stage. Like our species is actually very young compared to other species. And there's just the potential is completely beautiful and completely possible. And I really think that that our patterns have led us through are leading us through destruction and that we're hitting some limits that are actually going to be our big, our biggest teachers, like the earth itself and the damage we've done is going to be our biggest teacher. Just like within our own lives, whenever we realize the way that we've contributed to our own suffering, that can be our biggest teacher more than anyone else. When we can really understand that we are the ones that, um, are causing ourselves pains and we're the ones that can totally change that. I feel like that's huge, but I'm, I believe in miracles. I believe in, uh, like earlier you talked about 
how help has to be asked for. Like what would happen if everyone on the planet asked for help and acknowledged like what we have been doing wrong? Like what would happen? I, I believe, yeah, I believe that some amazing things are going to happen in our lifetime. And that I just try to balance the criticism of our species with like the epic beauty we've created from skydiving to romance, like just all the epic romances and making out and sex that are happening on the planet right now. Like that is beautiful. Humans, humans, uh, love each other more deeply than any other species, in my opinion, like just these epic romances and arts and all that stuff. Like we can't, dish that away and just call humans shitty for not understanding that we're earthlings and know how to take care of it. I just think we're young and we have some big lessons to learn. That is a really compassionate perspective. And I love like also your optimism. Like I really vibe with that. I don't have, like, it doesn't keep me up at night worrying about the state of the globe or the future. Like Mm -hmm. I, I recognize that a lot of people feel that fear, but in my just like spiritual conversations with like my guides and like the lights and colors that I see they're always validating that like everything's going to be okay and that might mean that there's some like really challenging situations or even catastrophes but just in my life whenever something has gone awry or there's been some kind of crisis I've dealt with it when it's gotten there I've never preemptively prepared for like crisis and Mm. unless I'm just being responsible and, you know, taking care of my life so that things don't crop up in a negative way. But I just, I know that I can like rise to the occasion if shit hits the fan and I can't live my life in fear for like the globe to be, you know, just like ravished with evil or whatever. Like I'm just preparing for humanity to thrive. And I do think that will eventually happen too. Even if we're going to have a dark night of the soul, I know just astrologically, the Pluto Saturn conjunction is like a pretty heavy, like heavyweight combination of planets. And a lot of people who even don't know astrology are thinking that, you know, they're talking along the lines of the energies that those planets represent. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of it, I do think it's going to be okay. And I also think that if we prepare for the best, we access like a different, like we're in a multiverse, right? So if we're communicating with the most negative future that's based on our fear, we're creating a psychological and psychic attachment to it and bringing it closer to us. Like we're bringing it into reality. And yeah, if we think about what we love and what we desire and like our hope, like we can also form a connection to that. So I think it's incredibly practical to have imagination and to dream. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think it takes heart and, um, I know that like, you know, you can get disappointed in life or have traumas that make it hard to feel open to that, but Mm -hmm. we do need a lot of people on the planet holding that vision. Um, I've also gotten really interested recently in like subtle activism. So the forms of doing like energy work on the planet, Mm. like, yeah, yeah i mean i think it's like even this conversation is a part of planetary consciousness you know it's it's a part of that um you know that astrological event that's coming up with saturn and pluto but i think the world oh man there's just so much there it's like there the world can be cruel but it is always going to be beautiful and there will always be change and in the long arc of the universe is bending towards 
justice and not just justice, but beauty. You know, there weren't always flowers. There weren't always humanoids. There weren't always, there wasn't always music. You know, those things have been created and, and that's, you know, it's always getting more complex and destruction is part of the process. And so I guess one of the main things that I feel from what you say is this element of uncertainty. So it is uncertain. You know, we don't know. That's part of the human experience is we don't know the future. So we are on an edge, but, but so we can get absorbed in the negative or absorbed in the positive, but I feel like we have to hold that uncertainty and allow it to catalyze us to greatness because if we catalyze it to this defensiveness, um, because we're afraid that's just going to cause what we're afraid of to come just like in lucid dreaming, you know, whenever you're afraid, like you will absolutely be encountered by things that will make you afraid. Like that's whatever you expect comes. Um, and so I think we need to hold the uncertainty. I think we need to uncertainty can be a gift in that way. And so we can make uncertainty like a plague or a gift and it's up to us. It's a plague if we're like, Oh, we're fucked. Um, or we can be like, it's a gift because we don't know. So we still have the ability to create with our imaginations. And like you said, with subtle activism, like we have to bring it down to earth, like start with the heart, love the people around you, connect with that energy, be interconnected and do what you can. And I think starting with the heart, in my opinion, and I, I do have an environmental science background. So I just think that's important here. I still think one of the most important things to do is to go to the heart and just to love the most you can every day. I think that the more that we can connect with others and understand that we're all in this together, even your enemies, even the people you hate, even the grasshopper or the slug or the spider. I mean, like we're, we're all in this together, including the higher beings. Like they, we're all in this together. So just like opening up your heart every day and trying to love, I think is one of the most important things we can do right now. That's so beautiful. I really agree. And I, that is green energy, like green heart chakra and like (laughs) green. Yeah. So that, that's a really clear Mm. connection. I didn't know the heart chakra was green. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So plants are like an expression of heart. Mm. Mm, Thank you. I didn't know that. Um, I also wanted to ask you like how you move through fear. So mm. like, wow, I asked you for good questions and you were just nailing it. <laughs> fear is such an important part of my spiritual journey. It is my, uh, I, it's my enemy kind of, I guess it's kind of my friend, but pretty pissed off at fear. Um, yeah. Like I don't struggle with anger. I really don't struggle with depression. I don't struggle with nihilism. Like it's fear for me. And, um, how do I deal with it? I get grounded in the bigger picture. I get grounded within knowing what fear does versus knowing what love does. And, um, I feel like fear, the only useful part of fear is to, is to not blossom. Like for example, a seedling, doesn't uh, crack open until all the right variables are right, but it can feel that it has a real knowing, like it doesn't have to second guess it. It doesn't have a psyche, but like with us, we can actually fear things that aren't true. So it gets much more complicated. Um, So how I deal with fear is for me, it's really understanding the story of the universe. I'm a huge fan of deep history 
which the phrase deep history mainly just goes into the earth epic. Um, but even like cosmological history and knowing our story, knowing where we fit into time and space that we're not at the beginning and we're not at the end. We're in a grand narrative that's extremely beautiful. And we're just like one step of the process. That's what really keeps me grounded because, because mentally we can create fears all day and a lot of times it does not do us good. So I like to check my fears you got to check them, do some, you got to fact check your fears. Cause a lot of times they're bullshit. And ultimately I just, I just always go back to the heart and I know that love has always done me more good than fear. And fear is something to be, is to be used in like a really almost survival like manner or like sometimes you have to protect your heart with fear, but just to let it come up and as kind of like a knock on the door. And then you do, some reflection and see if it's worth it and then you move past it like you can't live in that state or else you're never gonna be able to blossom totally yeah and i i feel like fear is an energetic like you might even say it's like a spirit or something and there's just been times in my life where i've had fear and kind of done the thing anyway and it's like it's almost like the three-headed dog or something guarding the gate of hell mm. <laughs> like this feeling of like the underworld or something like the fear is saying that there's power there's intensity there's potency here you don't understand it it's dark mm. you can't make out the shapes that you're going to encounter and then something really magical happens and i've started to feel like there has to be a difference between like authoritative fear like those really strong instinctual feeling of like that's not good versus like trauma-based fear um, or like illusory, illusion-based fear. Yeah. And yeah. I have a question for you because I'm still trying to learn so much about fear. Um, when has fear served you in a kind way? When has fear done something good for you? Hmm. There, when I first started getting into astrology, um, or not like getting into astrology, but starting to track the the planets movements and track the moon almost every time the moon was in Scorpio I started to actually have these thoughts move through my mind of being afraid that someone was going to like kill me and it's like wait why am I why am I going here and like I realized you know I would close my eyes and like talk to the lights that I see to be like what what is this? Like, why am I worried? And it was like a specific person too. And if I really thought about it, I was like, this person's not going to kill me. Mm. Why am I going there? And like, why do I have these fearful thoughts? And the thing that came through was like, oh, you just really value your life right now. Like I had just had this mm. like extra boost in a feeling of, you know, feeling purposeful or feeling like my life mattered. And that happened to coincide with now this defensiveness about like, oh, like I'm afraid of my life being threatened. Mm. And it was just mm. showing mm. me what I was valuing. Um, that's the first thing that came to mind, but I, yeah. That's beautiful. So still, even then it, it was like more of an indirect service. It wasn't, it wasn't a, tr it wasn't truth directly, but it, but because you are as wise as you are, you're able to like see why it popped up. That's really beautiful. I think a lot of people need to know that. Oh, thanks for asking me it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So one thought that I want to offer is that I think we may be growing out of fear as a spiritual species, like as 
our next step and our evolution because instinctually like in our DNA and our biology, our chemistry is really important to be afraid. You know, it's really important to hear a sound, to be paranoid, to run, to hide all that. Like we, we do have the evolution of a lot of species lives within us, not just species lives, but individual lives. Like that's all, all their memories are packed into us. And so that was so important. And now that we're being grounded within for me personally, I believe in reincarnation. Like now that we're getting to something that's beyond a single lifetime, it may be important for us to start to go into this sort of transcendental faith and union with the cosmos to where fear is no longer important. And fear is more of like a rejection of the spiritual truth of oneness, of abundant love, of all of that, because yeah, like spiritual fear would be like hell, right? It would be like a belief that God isn't going to take care of us mm. and love us. And so I feel like it's sort of like a huge challenge right, for us right now to to understand and to sort of drop fear and have faith in the cosmos or God or oneness or whatever you want to call it, but to have fear in this ultimate, the source, you know? And so it's a huge challenge because it's it's totally in our DNA. Like yeah, it's in our, like, yeah, DNA and like our nervous system. Yeah. It's a, like yeah. a trauma thing. And even like, I, I would watch dinosaur documentaries high in yeah. undergrad and I got into dinosaur consciousness. Like I just mm. mind melded with it mm. and it was the most primordial like feeling ever. And just the other day in the woods, I remembered that again. I was like, oh, yeah. we do have dinosaur consciousness inside of us. Like yeah. we have like a reptilian brain and we have plenty of soul memories and DNA memories of peril. Like, yeah, we just carry that with us as baggage. Yeah. I think it's, I, I have a really fun time using my imagination to understand facts. Like the fact that billions and billions of individual beings on this planet have, have experienced lots of fear, like non-human animals for millions of years. Like every time they died or got eaten or like, almost got eaten. Like that's a real, those are lived experiences that were actually lived by billions of lizards and billions of snakes and billions of llamas. And like, that's real, like that actually happened in real subjective experiences. And those don't go away, you know, like everything lived matters. So like, we have to process that. Like that's a huge <laughs> yeah. task. We have to get over bazillions of experiences of fear. Like those are in our DNA and we are on this edge of evolution on earth so it's a ginormous challenge. Um, that's what's before us and we can do it. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Yeah. Maybe um, one last thing to just send us off. Um, should we offer a prayer to the listeners? Mm, yeah, please. Okay. Um, for everyone listening, I pray that you feel really held and supported by the cosmos and that in moments of doubt or uncertainty or just any emotion that feels like it's less than what's sparking you and bringing you alive, that you remember to ask for help um, for the angels and the spirit guides and that you feel you can hear them and you can feel them supporting you. And in those moments that you feel like a true sense of, you know, weight or gravity or sadness that you also see the beauty in those moments that it's offering you perspective on who you are and what you value and that each of these fluctuations, the highs and lows are all sacred and that 
you're always supported and life is always walking with you. And so may you feel such peace and such excitement too on this huge adventure of life. Mm. Beautiful. I'd like to offer something quick to all the listeners to maybe just tap into your body in the sense of gravity, that pull towards the earth. And to offer that that pull towards the earth that you feel beneath your bottom or your feet or your back right now is a direct reflection of our planet, its exact mass, every mountain range. And that in a sense, you are held, you're supported from the get-go. And I'd like just to offer to tap into exploring that gravity as a sense of love. And I'd also like to offer my love out to each of you as a fellow traveler in the cosmos. Uh, I've got your back and you're in my prayers. Aho. Amen. Thank you, Cam. Thanks, Sabrina. Isn't it so nice to just talk about magic and mystical experiences? I realized that I didn't say in the intro what the Pisces archetype is all about. And it's the last sign of the Zodiac. It's the 12th and it is the last sign before the rebirth of Aries or, you know, Aries represents spring equinox and Pisces comes at the end of the cycle. It's the natural mystic and it has a very porous and permeable energy to be able to feel the energy of crystals or to feel the plants um, or to feel intuition and be in communication with subtle energy is a very Pisces phenomenon. And it's a beautiful sensitivity to develop. And it's also pretty complex to develop in a sense too, because if you're permeable or if you're porous, there's a vulnerability there and you have to learn how to become discerning. And I think that that's in part why there's this cultural resistance, which is not as intense right now. There's actually a lot of movement towards consciousness and magic and mysticism, but the general kind of movement of rationalism and kind of science as a, you know, scientism and that kind of thing, I think can, it comes down to a place of being afraid of being totally vulnerable when our ego stripped away and we're just porous and can receive anything And that can be a, you know, something that we just kind of shut down to. However, when we open up to it and we're sensitive, there's so much beauty and so much just awe and it's sublime to be in the flows of Piscean experience. And if you have Pisces friends or you have this archetype, a lot of what we talked about was probably pretty normal. And if some of this was unusual to you, I am excited for you in that your world is getting a little bit more magical and we're just being tricksters here and not being, I guess, not hiding, you know, because Pisces will, as an archetype, there's this feeling with Pisces that we're not understood, you know, no one gets us and we have this access to, you know, this dream world and it seems like other people don't, they're not in the dream world with us. On the other hand, You know, I have all this Pisces in my chart and I always seem to find people who are in the dream world and we play in it together. We're all in a dream world. Everything that we have developed as a culture is a co-dream. You know, if because we believe and we keep reinforcing cultural structures and cultural norms, they perpetuate. 
though they're not objective reality. And when you have Pisces signatures or your Piscean or Neptunian, even if you get into the planets or you have some 12th house signatures, you might be more open and more permeable to other realms and things like magic and fairies. And certainly also, if you want to get closer to that realm, regardless of what you have in your chart, just entertaining your imagination more and giving yourself the space to dream and to play with your dreams is a great way into this realm. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next time.